What's going on, everyone? My name is Brian Williams, and I am the pastor of Restoration Church in Traverse City, Michigan. Thanks so much for allowing us into your digital life and tuning in to this message. If you'd like to get involved with anything we have going on, you can do so at restorationtc.com. While you're there, you can find out about events, get to know a little bit more about what we believe, and you can also give a donation. Now, we're set up a little different than most in that we have a community account where 100% of your donation goes directly back into the community, both locally and globally. We've partnered with organizations like Freedom Builders here in Traverse City, World Orphans, and Charity Water. We also have an overhead account that helps fund the mission and vision of the church. Our vision is people following Jesus, and our mission is transparency, community, and change. Thanks again for checking out the message. Now let's get to it. Good morning, Restoration Church. How's everybody doing this morning? I am not Brian. Anybody notice that? I'm a little heavier, a couple less tattoos. Still better looking, but hey. Uh, no, we are excited that you're here with us this morning. Um, Brian is on vacation uh, this morning. Um, and very well earned over the last year. Um, Brian has done everything that God has asked him to do. Um, not without complaint, but uh, he has done it. Um, and uh, we're, we're very happy that him and his family can take this week off uh, and that we can serve him and his family in this way. So, um, Also, happy Father's Day. I know for some people that's not always a great thing, um, but... The beautiful thing about being a follower of Christ is we have the ultimate Father in heaven. He never lets us down. Ever. Not once. And that makes Father's Day, if you don't have an earthly father that you can say that is everything that you want him to be, God is. And, uh, and that's something to be thankful for. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. Um, either your earthly father or your heavenly father. So just one quick announcement real quick, just so everybody's aware. This coming Saturday is our Serve Sunday. Nobody thinks that's weird. Okay, so that's exciting, number one. But yes, just so you remember, our Sunday Serve this month is on a Saturday. This is coming up this uh, June 26th at 10 a.m. We are going to be partnering with Harvest Bible Church. Uh, for you who are familiar with the area, it's the Old Streeters. Um, and that is over off of Garfield. And they have a, a great location there. We're partnering with them and Feeding America. We're going to have 10,000 pounds of food um, that we are going to just give away to people in need and anybody and everybody who wants it, okay? Um, and so we are just really blessed to be able to partner with them in Feeding America. Um, please go to restorationtc.com um, if you can go to the events tab and sign up for that. It starts at 10 a.m., but we don't want you all there at 10 a.m., okay? Please sign up for a time slot, and that way we can um, uh, get, make sure we have even coverage throughout the day uh, until that food is gone, all right? So, and also, if you can't make it this week and you can't sign up, please be prayerful. Um, please spend this week praying for those who really um, uh, need that food, that, they, that the word gets out and that they can get that and that uh, we can serve them well, so. All right, so about two months ago, Brian texted me and said, hey, I'm going on vacation. And I said, okay. And he said, can you speak for me? And I said, sure. 
And he goes, I don't know what chapter it is, but if you could just speak for me, I would appreciate it. And I said, all right. And he texts me about 10 minutes later and says, Genesis 19. And I said, okay, and I'm working. And I work from home now, which is nice. And I'm sitting there on my computer, and I said, well, what's Genesis 19? And I open it up, and the first thing I read is Sodom and Gomorrah. And I text him back and said, you hate me, don't you? Like, you couldn't pick any other week to have the guy who doesn't preach every week come and give a sermon, right? Um, and so, and it's not even Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it gets, it gets really bad. So this week is NC-17. Um, I am not Brian. So, uh, and Brian will tell you I'm rough around the edges, all right? Um, and that's because I love Jesus, but I'm not perfect. So, um, but this, neither is this chapter. So, uh, this chapter is going to be fun. So, if you're going to bow, if you bow your heads with me, please, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit shows up this morning. So, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for this place that we get to meet. Lord, we thank you uh, for the people that continually show up, Lord, to, to make this happen. And Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit's here, uh, that the words that come out of my mouth are strictly of you and of your word and of truth, and none of it is of me. Uh, Lord, I just pray that anything that is not of you, Lord, just fall on deaf ears. Um, Lord, bless this morning, bless each person here, and we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. All right. So, Genesis 19. If you guys want to open your... your uh, your Bibles or your devices. Um, and also, real quick, I just told Brian I'd give him and his family a shout out. So, hi Brian, he's watching this morning. Uh, we are super excited with us and my family as well. So, who is in Georgia enjoying the tropical storm this morning. So, um, just to give you a little bit of back, his, back story where we're at, uh, this morning we're going to talk about Lot. And Lot is a mess, okay? Um, so, just to give you an understanding of Lot, when I was a kid, um, we had pigs. We always had pigs for 4-H, okay? And um, I wasn't a nice kid. I'm one of five boys and a girl. And um, we used to throw rocks at the pigs all the time. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but pigs are really sanitary creatures. They really are. Uh, if you have a bunch of pigs in a pen, they poop in one corner of the pen. They can all be mud, but they only poop in one corner. They only defecate in one corner, right? Um, so, as a bright young child, between the ages of 5 and 10, I stood up on the side of that, um, and I kept throwing rocks. And then I had to get closer because I couldn't hit them. And so then I climbed up on the edge of that pallet, and so we had these pallet fences that I kicked the pigs in. And I'm standing on the top of it with my, feet, my little feet in the very top, you know, little nook of that, that pallet, and I'm chucking rocks. And I chucked a rock, and I went face first with my mouth wide open into that poop. So... This morning, we're going to learn about Lot, who falls into a pile of poop, based off his own decisions. If that gives you a visual of what Lot's life is like, okay? So, um, so when I say that, that tastes like pig crap, I actually know what I'm talking about, just so you know. So, all right. So, Lot, um, Lot is Abraham's nephew, and Lot was... Uh, Abraham was told to leave his family, leave all his possessions, and follow God, right? And so Abraham did that, but he also took his nephew Lot, okay? And so we see Lot following Abraham, uh, starting back in Genesis 12, and then um, and it moves on to Genesis 13, where we see Lot again uh, with Abraham. And so as they're on their travels and God is blessing Abraham, uh, Lot is also blessed, right? And so 
Lot and Abraham, if you remember over the last few weeks, they start to gain basically these little miniature empires, right? And so then in Genesis 14, uh, well, excuse me, back in Genesis 13, um, Abraham and Lot get too big and they're too close. So they agree at this point in life that they're going to separate, right? So Abraham, being the humble, awesome one, says, you get your first choice. Take what you want, right? So Lot takes, uh, kind of goes out into the valley, and he looks around, and he sees the most beautiful part of the Jordan Valley, and he says, that's what I want, all right? And then he goes, and he camps, it says, just outside of Sodom, okay? And Sodom, even right then and there, it says Sodom is a, is a wicked, horrible place. And Lot knew that, but man, was it beautiful. So he didn't move into the city, but man, he moved close, right? And so he gets in there, and it's beautiful, and that's his land. Uh, Genesis 14, we see Lot again. Uh, war breaks out in the region, and Lot gets himself captured in all of his possessions. And then uh, Abraham, Abraham and 318 men have to come save the day, okay? So if, you, if you're seeing a theme here with Lot, he doesn't seem like the most responsible individual on the face of the earth, right? And then again, we see Genesis 18 uh, last week where um, Abraham is visited by three angels, one of which is the pre-incarnate Jesus, right? And they take Abraham up to the mountain where he can oversee the Jordan Valley, where he can see where Sodom and Gomorrah are. And uh, Jesus tells him that he is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham at this time, knowing that his nephew is in Sodom, pleads with Jesus. If there's 50 men, righteous men, you wouldn't kill righteous men, right? Men that believe in you. So if there's 50 righteous men in this town, please save it. And then he says, absolutely. And then he goes to 45, and then to 30, and then to 20. And he says, Jesus, if there's 10, 10 people in this city that are righteous, will you save them? And he's pleading, right? And at this point, Jesus agrees, and then they separate ways, right? The two angels with them go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where we pick up in Genesis 19. So, if you open your Bibles with me, we're going to get in here to Genesis 19. So that evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to pull up Brian here. or one verse in, and we're going to stop, right? We see it's important to remember Lot moved close to Sodom, okay? And then we don't hear much about Lot, and then all of a sudden, here in Genesis 19, Lot is now the gatekeeper of the city. So he's no longer outside of Sodom looking at Sodom. He is in Sodom, okay? And not only is he in Sodom, he is a person of authority. In this day with the gate, he got to choose who got to come into the city or not. Right? So he is a person of authority, and that's important to recognize here, is that Lot has moved. He's no longer just near Sodom. He's in Sodom. Okay? Genesis 2. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. No, stop again. It's funny, though, is if you think about that... Um, so I was in the military for a long time, and every base that you showed up to, there was already a security guard. All right, I was Air Force, so we had security forces. 
So you pull up to the front gate and they stop you, they check your ID, and if you don't have an ID, you don't get in, or you have to be signed in, you have to be cleared in, right? But I'm gonna tell you what, I've never pulled through a gate where I pulled up the security forces guy and he says, hey, uh, hey you wanna spend the night in my house? It sounds really simple, it's like, well, he just offered him a place to stay. Like, that's not normal. Lot, there was hundreds of people that probably came into the city every day. It was not normal for the gatekeeper of the town to say, hey, come stay at my house. So why? Why is he asking him to come stay at his house? That's an important, important thing. And it's, I think sometimes when we read scripture, sometimes we just gloss over these things. That was an important thing that he knew when he saw these two men, you need to stay at my house. It's verse 3. But Lot insisted... So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread, made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all of the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So now we know why Lot wanted them to spend the night at his house. Lot knew where he lived. Lot was familiar with what happened to people who stayed out in the square. And if you remember last week in Genesis 18, the Lord says, I've heard the cries of Sodom and the wickedness that's gone in there, right? This was a normal thing in Sodom. And this says men young and old, young and old. So when they say young, um, in the traditional Hebrew or whatever this was written in, I think it's Hebrew of this time, young, the translation means toddlers. Every toddler to grown man of any age was here at this event. This is how wicked this place was. This isn't Vegas. There's still churches in Vegas. People get married there all the time. I'm just saying. So I did not, though. I used a courthouse. So anyway, this, this place is wicked. Are we starting to get a picture of why Jesus said he's going to destroy it? And Lot is trying to protect these two men. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such wicked things. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. It's really silent. I expected that silence. But for, for that first verse, it's like, please, my brothers, please don't do such wicked things. And we're like, oh, there's Lot standing up for his boys, right? And then he turns around and goes, but I got two daughters. What, can you see how Lot's soul is so torn here? He knows what right and wrong is, but at the same time he's been in wrong so long that he just keeps making compromises. We're starting to see a theme with, with Lot here. Verse 9, stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged towards Lot to break down the door. 
So Lot is the gatekeeper of the town. They're going to trust him to do that. And he is a foreigner. He's not from Sodom. He's moved in. He's made himself a name for himself. He's got business. He's got wealth. We know that through scripture that Lot is a rich man. But he has no integrity. And these men can see it. Even wicked men can see where there's no integrity. Lot's words don't match his actions, and even the wicked can see it. Chapter, verse 10. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they gave up trying to get inside. So now this mob that's outside is now blinded because they're, they're banging down the door. And if you think about this, this city is somewhere around 1,000 people, historians tell us, okay? And all of the men, historically probably about 50%, you have 500 men that are trying to bang down one single door in the house. If, he had, if the angels had not had protected Lot at this point, they would have gotten inside. So now this mob, can you imagine being part of that mob? And just, it was chaos to begin with, but now you can't see. So you have evil, wicked men that are all in the streets who are set on getting inside and raping these men. And now they're blind. Do you imagine the chaos that ensued? Verse 12. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city, they asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, anyone else, for we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great that it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. You know, that whole thing about integrity, these young men were in Sodom, which also means they were there the night, part of the mob, to rape these men. And they saw, I don't know about you, but if my father-in-law, hours before I had witnessed him just offer my future wife to be raped by hundreds of men, would you believe a word that he'd say? Would you trust him? Would you be any part of that? No moral authority, nothing. No integrity. Again, Lot is not practicing what he preaches. And everybody around him can see it. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. So, if you were, so imagine this. If you were told, you're sitting there, and, some, and a firefighter comes into your house and says, your house is going to be destroyed. There's a forest fire. You need to get out. A firefighter, you know what I'd do? I'd grab my kids, leave everything behind, and I'd hit my truck and I'd be gone. That fast. But Lot says, 
Oh man. My, and my thought is, it says here that he, he, this is morning. So he's been told the night before at, at dark, right as sundown hits. And then the next morning, he's still in his house. And I can't imagine, my, I'm trying to think in my mind, what would keep him there? But as we see, Lot is so consumed with worldly things, you know what he was probably doing? Packing up all his stuff. We've got to get out of here, but man, I can't leave that vase. Whew. You know how much that vase cost me? You know how much those robes cost me? Whew. I can't leave that behind. It's going to get burned up. And his wife and his two daughters, they're all just packing everything up. And the angels are sitting here saying, can we go now? I'm here to save you. Can we go now? And literally, I mean, there are these firefighters telling them, you've got to get out of the house. And they won't go. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city. For the Lord was merciful. They literally had to be dragged out of the city. Just, I, I don't know if you guys do this, but when I read this, I'm trying to picture what this would look like. And them reaching and grabbing for their things, and the angels are like, get it out, just drop it, let go. We gotta go. But my things, no, we gotta go now. You don't understand, I know what's coming. You don't. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives, and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, or you will be swept away. Verse 18. Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged. You have been so gracious to me and saved my life, and you have so shown such great kindness. But I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. Okay, so now, so now we have these two angels that have come into the city. He knows they're important, so he calls them into this house. Then this mob shows up. He confronts them. Then they want to kill him too. And then the angels save him once. Then they drag him out of the city. And then they said, Okay, this is where you need to go to be safe. And Lot goes, oh, but, but I don't want to go there. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, and I did some research. I was like, why didn't, dude, if somebody, if a firefighter came to my house and said, do you want to be safe because your house is going to burn down? And he said, the only place you can be safe is to go to California. I'd go to California. That's a pretty logical, rational thought. Yeah. I'm, hey, man, you just told, you saved my life. I'm going to California. You want me to go to Timbuktu? I'll go there too, wherever you want me to go. But Lot, hmm, the best I can think of, the, the best example is like, this is like, and from what I read, is why he didn't want to go to the mountains, because the mountains were a wild place. And Lot was a city boy. This is like asking the Kardashians to walk out of their house, leaving every one of their belongings, and to go live up in Canada in the wilderness without anything. That was funnier in my head, I guess. I mean, you guys, 
I mean, seriously. Think about that, though. Give up every worldly possession you have. Some of the richest people in America, go live up in Canada and leave everything else behind. It's the only place you're going to be safe. There's not indoor plumbing up there. It gets cold up there. There's wild animals up there that want to eat you. I can't go there. But halfway between here and there is this little town called Zor. They've got indoor plumbing, but it's small, so it's safe. Why not? Can I, can I stop there? And it's funny, it's even, even here, you see God demonstrating free will. He gave us free will, and he said, okay, I told you where you're going to be safe. You want the city? Go to the city. Do what you want. I will spare it because I'm merciful. I've gone through all of this work to save you up to this point. Go to Zor. All right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why the village was known as Zor, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all of the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. You guys ever seen the movie uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series? No? Everybody? No? They're fantastic. My wife's a Harry Potter fan. I love Lord of the Rings and, and the Hobbit series. Um, so I just kind of like those movies. They're really great movies to like just put on the TV and then pass out. You know what I mean? Because you you've seen them like a hundred times. And they're always good the first time as they are the, the hundredth time. Kind of like Braveheart, right? But in uh, Lord of the Rings series, in both, both series, you see this character named Gollum. Right? And Gollum is this little creature and in the Lord of the Rings series, you hear a little bit about him and his, his story, but you really, and you see his, his ultimate death, but you don't see the backstory until you watch the Hobbit story, series, right? And what you find is that this Hobbit finds a ring, right? The ring of power. And it's his precious. It's what he sees as valuable in his life, right? And uh, this, this ring, though, has so much power, it's also got evil. And he changes and he, he morphs into this little creature and he lives in caves and it owns him, right? So eventually at some point in the story without, I mean, if you've never seen the movie, go watch the movie. Come on. Be like normal people. So um, it's like never seeing the Bond series. Apparently my wife's never seen that either. So, um, but they ended up, Gollum loses this ring. And then he comes back upon the ring, but he's fascinated with this ring because it's what he sees as valuable in his life, right? At the very end of this series, they take this ring and they've decided they're going to get rid of the wickedness and they're going to put it back where it was created and they're going to destroy it. And Gollum has followed them all the way to the very end and he just can't let it go. And he ends up biting the finger off and the ring falls off. And he catches it as you watch him fall into the volcano on his back. And the fire consumes him. I don't know about you, but when I think of Lot's wife, 
It wasn't simply just turning back. Her heart and her mind, everything that she was, didn't want God, it wanted Sodom. Her precious was a life. It was people, places, and things. And God was just asking for her heart. And she wouldn't give it. And just like Gollum, she burned for it. God gave her what she desired. And that may sound horrible and mean, but that's mercy. God gave her what she desired. Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain toward Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like a smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. And it's interesting. It's, imagine being Abraham, because I, I, it doesn't say one way or the other, but I mean, logic would tell you, Jesus had left, right? Pre-incarnate Jesus had, had left the night before, and they separated ways, and Abraham just spent the night. Abraham woke up the next morning, and he had pleaded with God if there was ten righteous men, ten, right? Save the city. And then he falls asleep, and he wakes up in the morning. The city that Lot is in is gone. And he can see the pillars of smoke. He doesn't know that Lot's been saved. Can you imagine the grief that Abraham's feeling this morning? Doesn't say one way or the other. It's an interesting thought. So now we get into the rest of the story. What's his name? We used to say that all the time. Paul Harvey. The rest of the story. It gets better. They thought that was wicked and nasty. Just, just wait. We got verse 30. And can I get a time check? I didn't bring my phone this morning. 15. Perfect. Sorry about that. I didn't bring my phone up here and somebody didn't bring a timer. Mike, it's your fault. Love you. So, afterward, Lot left Zor because he was afraid of the people there and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, wait a minute, one second. So, it's funny. Um, he didn't want to go to the mountains and he told God No. It's just really funny. God knew where he was going to end up anyways. Anybody relate to that? Not going to go there, God. Nope. Nope. Not going there. A couple minutes later, you're there. Yeah. God usually gets his way. He's kind of cool like that. So anyway, just a funny thought. Afterwards, Lot left Zor because he was afraid of the people there, and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, There are no men left anywhere in this entire area. So we can't get married like everyone else. And our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. When you were a kid, they didn't read you these Bible stories, did they? No. The next morning, the older daughter said to her younger sister, I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight, and then you go in and have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. 
So that night they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation we know as Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to the son, she named him Ben-Ami. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Ammonites. Just when you thought the chapter couldn't get any more twisted, right? What a story. Anybody else like wowed by that? What a story. What a mess. And it's funny, as we, we can read the story and we can think, man, not me. <laughs> I'm not that wicked. You know, when the, the men came to, um, came to the house and they want to take the man, and this might sound crass, and I apologize, it's not intended so, but there's probably 500 men there. They weren't all going to rape him. Some of them were just going to watch. That's called pornography. We like to think that, oh man, that's a wicked place. It's no different than today. How does, how did, you ever think, you ever been in that place, and I know I have, I've been there more than I'd like to admit. You get to a point in life where it's like, how did I get here? Can you imagine when Lot slammed that door closed and angels pulled him in and they locked it and he's sitting there and he's just offered his daughters to the mob. They're banging on his door and a rich man who has every earthly thing that he could want in the most beautiful place in that world in that time. How did I get here? I know I have. Woke up mornings where the night before it was way too much and I have no idea how I got there. Lot's probably a little more relatable than you think. Lot got where he got because Lot was compromising his convictions and that led him to Sodom. I want to read you something. Second Peter, you want, you want to just take this and take it to a whole other level of confusing. Second Peter, where did I start here? Verse, I think I have it marked differently. Verse 4, right? For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they were being held into the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man. He was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immortality of the wicked people around him. 
Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. You're getting even more confused? This man who offered his daughters to a mob who was in Sodom, who was friends, when he came outside the house, he said, friends, please don't do this. They were his friends. He was a part of Sodom. Sodom was a part of him. And he's called a righteous man. How confusing is that? But see what, what we're reading here. It was the convictions of his heart. Sodom, Lot didn't want to be like the men in Sodom. He didn't do those things. But he made compromises for the things that made him feel comfortable. For the things that made him feel safe. I got to get moving. Thanks, Mike. When we compromise our convictions, we end up in bad places. I grew up in the church. I spent most of my life, I wasn't going to do this, but I'll do it now. I grew up uh, in the church my, almost my entire life, born and raised. Um, my dad led worship. My parents both led small groups. Um, my mom led the food pantry. So we were in church Tuesdays, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and Sunday nights at a minimum per week. Um, I grew up hearing truth, hearing scripture. And there was a point in my life, when I was 13 years old, I experienced some trauma. Nothing major. But instead of dealing with it, I was ignorant. I didn't know better. I was a kid. But instead of dealing with it, I chose to medicate it. And I learned to compromise. I can deal with that if I have this. And so that little bit just kept growing. Parents got divorced when I was 15. And that just kept growing and growing, and I had to deal with that. But I always had this little thing on the side that made me feel good. And then I joined the Air Force. And I was, went into the Air Force, and I remember a pastor at the time, a good friend of mine, who's a big mentor in my life, said to me, Clayton, like, I was in a bad place, and he knew it. And he said, Clayton, this is a great fresh start for you. You can be whoever you want to be, wherever you want to be it. You know who God wanted you to be, be it. So I, I moved, did my basic training, San Antonio, went to Wichita Falls training, ended up at Dover Air Force Base, Delaware. And um, I spent that first like two, two, three months really trying. You know, like I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to find a church, I'm going to do this right. Um, and that little thing that I was medicating with didn't go away. And I made another compromise, and another compromise, and another compromise. And then I got married, and I brought my wife into that sin, and I made another compromise, and then I made her make compromises. And I got out of the Air Force, and that compromise led me into the oil field. 
And two and a half years later in the oil field, I get laid off with 100,000 other people overnight. I had four children at the time, excuse me, two children when I got laid off. I now have four. I'm a busy person. So I get laid off. And I remember coming home and my wife called me and said, hey, I'm done living this way. I started going back to church. I want to change. And I'm not making any more compromises for your sin. And I remember I got home and I was like, how did I get here? How did I get here? And man, did God humble me. Completely flipped my life upside down. And I'm not perfect, I'll tell you what. That that, that thing that's in my past, it's still there. I fight it every day. And I ask God to take it every day. But I don't make any more compromises. My wife stopped making compromises. And I could show up to church, even back then, I could show up to church and everybody smile and see me as this cute little Christian boy that grew up there. And I knew just the words to say and just how to do it. You know what's funny is Lot, Lot had no spiritual influence because his life didn't match his words. You look at Noah, Noah's family never rained before and he said hey we need to build a boat and we can do it now and he's family, okay look at Abraham in chapter 18 uh, chapter 17 goes to his whole family says hey I made a covenant with God we need to take a rotten rock and sharp rock and cut off our manhood and say and they said okay Lot couldn't get his son-in-laws to get out of a city where he said it's going to be destroyed no spiritual influence. When you compromise for sin and you bring sin into your life, it affects everyone around you. Everybody sees it. It's not hidden. You know, one thing that's missing in, in chapter 19 that we see specifically in chapter 18, and you won't see, when you read the rest of Genesis, you see a lot of Lot. Lot never prays to God. Lot didn't pray to God. Abraham did on his behalf. He, ne- he doesn't have a relationship with God. He has a desire for God. He believes in him with everything that he is. He followed him when he told him to, reluctantly, but he did. Abraham prays. God answers. He pleads fervently on the behalf of Lot and his family. And he intercedes. Lot doesn't pray. I gotta hurry because we got we're almost out of time here, and I want to be respectful of Russ. Matthew 24. Then Jesus, excuse me, 17:24 says, "Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If any of you who wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul?" Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, 
and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of man, son of man, coming in his kingdom. Not compromising our convictions leads us to Jesus. First off, you have to have a relationship with Christ. You know why the men in Sodom didn't follow the direction of Lot when he said, please stop? They didn't follow God. They didn't have a relationship with him. They weren't convicted. They couldn't be held the same standard that Lot held himself to. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you to be convicted. You have to have a relationship. And God's going to use other people in your life to try to convict you. I can tell you my whole story. I have little just-so-happens people my whole life that just kept poking. Hey, hey, get your head out. <laughs> Chris Brown gave a sermon similar to this about chapter Genesis 19. And it wasn't his quote, I can't remember who said it, but he said, it's possible to have a saved soul in a wasted life. What a kick in the butt that is. Lot had a saved soul, but what a wasted life. My prayer for you this morning, and for myself, is that we spend time to understand what is God convicting us of and how do we need to stop running from it? When God calls us to something different, am I willing to go? Or am I going to compromise this one time? I won't compromise the next, but I'm going to compromise right now. No. You wouldn't tell a heroin addict to, well, if you just cut back to once a day, Baby steps, right? You wouldn't do that. No, you got to stop. No compromising leads you to Jesus. So my prayer is that you learn what God's trying to tell you. God gave a scripture so that way we could read the truth. We can understand who he is and what his desire for us is. Jesus always tells, gives you a warning, but he always gives you an answer in the middle of that warning. Every time. My prayer is that you read those answers, that you feel those answers, that you live those. You're not a do as I say, not as I do type person. I tell you what, that's, that's a conviction for me. We don't always like what scripture says, but it's still truth. So with that, just bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the time that you've given us here today. Lord, thank you for this space that you provided through Russ. Lord, I pray that um, they would continue to use this space for you, Lord, to bring you glory. Lord, I pray for each person here, those watching. Lord, I pray for those in my life, Lord, that they, they stop compromising 
for their convictions, Lord. That they know where their Sodom is. That they know what it is. Lord, I pray that you have mercy on each person and give them their grace regardless of their sin. Lord, I pray that they choose you so that you can do that in their life. Lord, give us strength to give up those things that make us comfortable and safe if you ask us to. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you give to us to allow us to stop compromising, to live in your truth and to live in your life and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead in us. Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for everything that you are. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen.